The Cinesnob Podcast is brought to you by Alamo Draft House, with three locations in San Antonio and one in New Braunfels. Hey, uh, this week, Cody's going to be out there yeah. uh, at Alamo Draft House Westlakes hosting the San Antonio Filmmakers Showcase. Is that what the title of it? Yeah, I think so. Uh, they're screening uh, the what is it? The Adventures of Pepper and Paula. Yeah, the uh, the Kevin and Robin Nations movie, and then a short film Squeezebox from Sam Lerma. Right, and then uh, this coming Wednesday, uh, you'll be there. Hopefully, I'll be there. Yeah, uh, fingers crossed. If, if my flight lands on time uh, for the Last Dragon with special guest Timok. Yes, uh, star of the Last Dragon, a movie I haven't seen yet. I uh, I have it sitting at home. I'm ready to watch it and see. Uh, you got it from the library. Right? I did get it from the oh, library. What a square! <laughs> what a square! <laughs> yeah. Uh, but apparently, it's a huge uh, uh, cult classic martial arts film. I talked to a friend of mine yeah. uh, who's a big martial arts guy. I texted him mm-hmm. a few days ago, and I'm like, "Hey, you know about uh, Timok and the Last Dragon, right?" He's like, "Yeah, of course I know about Timok and the Last Dragon." Well, apparently, from what I've read, it's like a, a blend between martial arts and like a black exploitation. Is he? Movie. Is, isn't his name? Uh, uh, his character's name Bruce Leroy. Uh, something like that, or Leroy. <laughs> I don't know. And but then, uh, yeah. Anyway, so so head on out there Monday night, uh, San Antonio Filmmaker Showcase. That's Monday, uh, uh, April twentieth. And then Wednesday, April twenty second, is the Last Dragon with special guest Timok, and he's we're hosting q and A Q&A with with him, and uh, mm-hmm. for the also for the San Antonio Filmmaker Showcase. That's Alamo Drafthouse. Visit drafthouse.com for tickets. In a world filled with movie podcasts, three critics from the juggernaut media market of San Antonio decided to change the entire course of the internet. A feat attempted by many and conquered by many. To produce a relatively listenable podcast, devastating truth bombs. Brace yourselves, guys. The Muppets are puppets. You know that, right? <laughs> no! Wait! Okay, no! They're puppets. No, ruin it! And <laughs> Muppets is, are puppets. This is gonna... <laughs> Hard facts. Yeah, not Kevin Feige or Feig, whatever, but... I think it's Feige. Is it really? I have no idea. <laughs> Asking the important questions. What is that? What, what was that that I just saw right now? It was like a fat Iron Man. That's it's a Hulkbuster. Hulkbuster armor. That's, that's, that's how a he fights fat Iron Man. <laughs> this is the Cinesnaw Podcast. Because I always forget to do it. With a little bit of banter. I'm going to say it right off the top of the show. Do it. Welcome to episode 43 of the Cinesnob Podcast. I'm Jared Kingery. I'm Cody Viafania. And I'm Kiko Martinez. And you're uh, posting on Facebook right now. Right? Yeah, so, live live Facebooking. Yeah, we're doing this a little different this week. Yeah, well, Jared, for some reason, is going on vacation. Jared's going Hollywood. I'm doing some work to you guys. We'll talk about it uh, at the end of the show. What was that? It was my keys. Why, why are you a janitor? You, I've noticed. Is that new? I it noticed, is new. Why do you do that? Do you because have your keys hanging out of your pocket like you're a, like you're a custodian? Like I'm a janitor? No, it's just hooking onto my belt loop. It's so I don't, that doesn't make it better. Well, it doesn't. <laughs> it's so my keys don't poke me in the side when I'm sitting down. Do you, are they on a retractable thing? No, they're just on. Oh. They're on like a the, on the a rock climber. Hook. Yeah, that's how the kids are doing it these days. Yeah, Jared. yeah. Gosh, I just keep my keys in my pocket like a fucking chump. It's what I'm doing to stay young, you know. <laughs> Well, yeah. first of all, I mean, if you're clinking around all the time, that's kind of annoying. Why do you have so many keys? Well, uh, I have some work-related keys. Um, I have... Oh, you got some keychains. Oh, there's your library card. My library card. Oh. 
my gym membership because I'm, you know. I mean, you got it. You got a straight up keychain on there. What is that? Oh, it's it's from my dad's work. Okay. Yeah. Represent. I have a bottle opener keychain on mine. I need to get one of those because it's an old uh, Margaritaville shark that a friend brought back to me from Jamaica. Yeah, Uh, it's a little beat up, but it opens the bottles just fine. Yeah, beer, right? (laughs) Or the uh, HEB uh, sodas that come in a bottle. Mm. Those are good, right? Are they Mexican cokes? I, yeah, I uh, never buy the Mexican Cokes. Uh, Racist. I know. <laughs> you have you seen all, the Mexican? It's all American Coke. Have you seen the Mexican? <laughs> there's, there's Mexican Pepsis out there, too, but they don't get near the love that the Mexican Cokes do. Do they just have, like, an accent mark over the eye? Oh, I hate going to. I was just at a place it's, where... It's the, Pepsi. Pepsi. <laughs> a place where they don't sell Coke. They, oh, we only have Pepsi products. Oh, I actually it, prefer you, Pepsi. What? Yeah. I don't... I don't... I used to, like, have this kind of... Like, I like Coke better in a can, but I like Pepsi better from a fountain. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I know, man. I was a jackass. What a dick. I was <laughs> a huge tool. <laughs> I mean, about that. I mean, the tool stuff keeps going, but as I've grown older, I just don't care about... You know, though, I was at a place today, and they offered me... They're like, hey, you want a soda for the road? And I was like, sure. And then they have... Well, we have Coke Zero. I was like, no. Just I I can't do it when you know when they initially released Coke Zero the whole thing was tastes just like regular Coke yeah bullshit yeah no total bullshit it just it's Diet Coke so they off somebody offered you a soda but only had Coke Zero to offer you they had other stuff too but I don't drink Dr Pepper or um um I can't remember what else they had root beer I don't do those those kind I'll do a Sprite you look like a root beer kind of guy yeah yeah why is that. I don't know. I'm like, white. like <laughs> hey, fellas, yeah, you, got any root beer? <laughs> yeah, you. You just want like high C or like <laughs> like Minute Maid lemonade. <laughs> I want some of the Country Time lemonade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is the whitest drink I can think of right now. The Hawaiian Punch is pretty twice too. I think Hawaiian Punch. I don't know. Pun- I, I want some of that punch that just comes in a gallon jug and it's just called punch. <laughs> or you remember like those barrel drinks? Uh, yeah, with the foil tops. Yeah. Well, I used to drink Sunny D out of those like a motherfucker. <laughs> That's pretty white, right? <laughs> we still haven't said why why this is different. We got so sidetracked. We're, we're recording rec- at night. We're recording on a Friday night instead yeah. of a Sunday morning because I'm going to Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, by the time you're listening to this, I'll be in Los Angeles. What will I be doing? You'll have to find out later in the show. You'll be on one of those like star map tours. <laughs> Just like, ooh, this is I'm weird. going on the OJ tour. <laughs> oh, uh, Jesus. <laughs> are you going to go find the Muppet um, Theater? Is that what you're doing? No. <laughs> you're go and... The Muppet Theater in the movie is actually the El Capitan, which is where Jimmy Fallon. Is it Jimmy Kimmel? Isn't Jimmy that where Kimmel. Jimmy. Yeah, not Jimmy Fallon. I know he's in New York, but Jimmy Kimmel shoots there. Oh. It's right in the heart of Hollywood, right across from the Chinese Theater. You should make you should make your vacation a musical. Everything <laughs> is great. Everything is great. <laughs> Got the whole wide world in the palm of my hand. I'm gonna sing it, but life's a happy song. <laughs> Let's just do the whole song. <laughs> you know, why, why not? So uh, anyway, uh, speaking of uh, songs, I led off our uh, screening oh, the other night. You did. Uh, we had a screening of Pee Wee's Big Adventure this past Monday at Alamo Drafthouse Park North. It was a Pee Wee's Big Adventure movie party. And I remember you asked me, like, how are you going to intro this? Yeah. I'm like, I'm singing Deep in the Heart of Texas. Mm-hmm. So I walk out and I start singing. <laughs> the stars at night are big and bright. Come on, do it. There you go. 
sleep in the hall of Texas. Yeah. And the audience. Wait, it went they? over it went over like gangbusters. Yeah. Yeah. Really? No, it was cool. The audience was super into it. We had a sold out crowd uh Monday night for it was a five dollar admission. You got props. Uh we passed out uh giant toothbrushes, uh French flags, champagne, champagne poppers. poppers, red bow ties. And uh, if you wanted them, it was a ghost pepper gumball. Yeah. To to go along with the. Uh, and we had some poor souls who tried it, uh, who had to run out of the theater. Oh yeah, there was a guy <laughs> afterwards. We were at the at the exit, you know, saying goodnight to people as they were leaving, and this like big like yeah built dude like a big muscle bound guy was like oh ghost pepper gum yeah he was, <laughs> he was, like, he was just <laughs> chugging water. <laughs> Yeah, it, it hit him pretty hard, poor guy. Uh, you didn't try him? Dude, no, hell no. I I can I can't even do like uh, the mild wing sauce. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, it's too spicy. Do you remember that? This is so off topic, but the Jim Gaffigan joke about uh, I think it's people that are lactose intolerant, and he's like, I can't handle that spicy milk. <laughs> I, I don't think I've heard that one. I've heard a lot of Jim Gaffigan, but I haven't heard that one. But anyway, it was uh, it was a good time. It was a really f- you hadn't seen the movie. Yeah, this is my first time watching it. And you were like, Man, it's all right. I I enjoyed like like I told you, um, I had to get past the weirdness of it first because I I wasn't expecting it to be like that weird. <laughs> and also, I think it takes some adjustment when you have characters who like could not exist in the real world at all. Like every character is like dialed up to you know ten or eleven. Well, that's how the show is. Though I mean, there's not a. Well, it's kind of the whole Cowboy pee- Curtis the whole Pee-wee type. vibe. I mean, this came before the show, mm-hmm. but after the Pee-wee Herman show, that was the stage show. Oh, did it? Did the movie? So the movie came before the actual TV show. I didn't know. Yeah, that. yeah. Interesting. But we had a great response. People were <laughs> yelling lines and in uh, uh, you know playing with their props like they were supposed to, and we had poppers go off, and yeah, uh, it was a really good time. And we had uh, some giveaways too. We gave away some gift certificates to Big Bob's Burgers, mm-hmm. Big um, Bob's Burgers. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> How do you butcher that? Bigs, Bigs. Did they say Bigs Bob's Burgers? <laughs> yes. Don't talk about Bigs. That's his. That's competition. Oh, yeah. Big it's Bob's Bigs Burgers, and we don't Big talk about Bob's them. Burgers. Yeah. I feel like I'm going to be making a lot of noise, so I'm just going to take my keys Please? off. I would like you to reconsider that as a lifestyle yes, choice. Yes, me too. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's never there's, the dude with the keys on the outside. It's like uh it's like a cell phone holster. Yeah, you might as well be wearing a fanny pack. <laughs> uh I think you need to take a look at uh the popularity of them and uh of which part? The keys on the outside. That's totally what? that's that's all the time. What I've crowd actually, are you running around with? I've actually been looking for something and I, I picked it up at uh when we were at South by Southwest. That's the filming in the Virgin Islands thing that we got oh dude those guys were super happy to meet us when we told them yeah uh, we were from san antonio and that we were tim duncan fans yeah you you had the idea of mentioning that and then they just started pouring free stuff into our hands yeah uh they were very nice very nice people. and we talked we we shared a little bit of insight as to the uh difficulties of shooting any kind of video with tim duncan yeah where he just is totally not interested <laughs> he looks interested in the h-e-b commercials he I, isn't uh, I like I those know. spots. We do some spots with him at work, and I mean, he's his his charisma is like is on full display when he's getting into a car or something. <laughs> like that's about as charismatic as it gets. Anyway, so you didn't even buy that hook. You gave you got it for free, and you repurposed it as a janitor hook. Is it janitor chic no, now, dude? There's there was a keychain attached to it. I mean, it's not like I'm using it for the purpose it's not meant for. It's a keychain. <laughs> 
I'm good. Okay. Well, you're acting like I'm I'm MacGyvering something into into a, a thing, and I I repurposed it. It uh it had the keychain. Speaking on it. of fanny packs, I did get a fanny pack at South by Southwest. Really? It, I think it was ironic because it was like <laughs> it's it, it's Austin, so probably. Well, it was it it seemed to be kind of like like a douche pack because it was a fanny pack, and inside of it was a selfie stick. Oh. So let me tell you. The more beers I drank, the more fun that selfie stick got. Where'd you put it? What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you. Oh, okay. That was a put it in my butt joke, wasn't it? <laughs> yes, it was. Oh, I'm sorry. It's. I'm tired. It's been a long day. But you I, should. You should know that that jokes are going to go there. Is that a banana peel down there? What that what? black thing? It's we, can we stop talking about like incidental things? First, it's Cody's fucking keys scraping against the chair. Like, hold on, I gotta go unlock the the propane tank outside. But I think there's like a banana peel that's been there for like six months. <laughs> Probably more like three. Yeah, yes, it's a banana peel. It <laughs> fell off my desk and ended up underneath it, and now it's just it, it's compost. See what happens when you you're, yeah you're giving back to the earth. You get. <laughs> You gave him shit about his keychain, and now he's trying to. Now he's knock he's it. looking around like, look at this yeah. fucking big sty <laughs> piece of shit room. Yeah, I, I had to step over a homeless guy in this room in order to get to my chair. Maybe he'll maybe he'll replace you on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, can we, let's move on. Uh, again, that was thanks again to the Alamo Draft House for uh, helping us put that show together. We're getting ready to uh, settle on our next screening. Yeah, we have a date. I can give the date out. What is it? It's Monday, May 11th, and it will be at Park North. But we haven't settled on a film yet. Can we tell what the th- what the theme is we're going for? Uh, we're going for the theme of uh, summer slash out of school, school's out type thing. School's out, out for, for the summer? School's out for yeah. summer. Well, I, you know, I didn't want to just you know, blatantly. You wanted to, to say it as backwards as Well, as I don't want to pay possible. royalties to Alice Cooper, so. <laughs> He's cool with it. All right, <laughs> that's enough of uh, this uh, shenanigans. Bullshit. Good lord. <laughs> Let's go ahead and move on to news. It's time for the Real Rundown, recapping this week in movie news. First up, two of the most anticipated trailers of uh, upcoming for upcoming nerd projects, let's say, hit this week. First off... The uh, new trailer for Star Wars The Force Awakens hit and took the internet by storm. Yeah. Troopers. And and we have a clip. The Force is strong in my family. My father has it. I have it. My sister has it. You have that power too. Chewie. We're home. You. Know, <laughs> you don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, but even, what, what are you talking about? I know you, you've co- mentioned so many times you don't like Star Wars or you don't care for it. I've never said that. I, yes, you have. I've I, said that I, the movies are fine. 
I'm not a fanboy of them. So then and I hate and I hate the. I was just kidding, and I hate the the fact that people are use Star Wars references all the time. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, but anyway, on that note, on that note, and that on that note, goose pimples. Um, I thought it was it looked great. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, J.J. Abrams did something that I didn't think any director could do and make me care about Star Trek. So, um, you know, I there's no reason for me not to think that he's going to do something amazing with this. Um, franchise, so I'm inter- I'm interested in it. it well, looks, it, for it, the for the first time in God, 16 years since Phantom Menace started disappointing people, mm-hmm. there's actual real excitement again about what's coming next, right? And I think this trailer, and you know, the movie could still suck, could still be lame, could still be disappointing, but this trailer hit all the like the right notes, especially that the last part of the clip we played where. Where you finally see Harrison Ford as Han Solo again. That's the part that that everyone's talking about, and that everybody. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the line even means that we're home. I don't know what that's referencing. When I'm thinking back to Star Wars, I don't know what where his home would be because there's. I don't know. Anyway, uh, so, but the the movie the trailer opens with uh, Mark Hamill narrating. That's Mark Hamill talking about the Force. Mm-hmm. Curiously. Over a shot of the burned-up Darth Vader helmet, mm-hmm. which you don't really know that reference, to you? No. Anyway, <laughs> at the end of Return of the Jedi, I can't believe I'm explaining something like this to to people. But uh, at the end of Return of the Jedi, Darth Vader is killed and Darth Vader dies and his body is burned. And that's okay. why there's the burned Darth Vader mask. Gotcha. But curiously, in the trailer, at least according to... To my interpretation of it, he talks about his father in the present tense. My father has it. So it leads me to believe that Darth Vader might be involved somehow. Which I don't know how they could avoid that. Because it's such a powerful like icon of the series. You know what I right. mean? I, don't, I just kind of hope it doesn't happen. But anyway, it's, it, it's rife with... Uh, Things for people to speculate on until December when it finally hits. So, how many times did you see this trailer? I've watched it probably four or five times. Oh, okay. I haven't. I've not. I mean, I love the the opening shot, yeah. the long shot. It just it looks great, and that's one of the things J.J. Abrams brings is just a visual style that I don't think any of the Star Wars movies have ever had before. A lot of people are uh, like because the Star Wars celebration, which is a big Star Wars convention, is happening in Anaheim right now. And this is where all this stuff was introduced. Mm. And a lot of people are really kind of losing their shit over the fact that there's a lot of practical effects in this movie. Um, <coughs> like if you, you see the trailer, there's like the little soccer ball looking robot. Mm-hmm. That's a real robot. Yeah. That appeared on stage mm-hmm. in, in California. Who's uh, guilty? It sounded like you. Yours is the only screen lit up. Shit. Sorry. Oh, I'm just. A, I'm just. Put it in your pot, your belt holster. See, that's what happens when we shoot, uh, um, record the podcast at night. It's all booty, booty calls. calls. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, a lot of a big deal is being made about the practical effects in this movie. Yeah, which I think is a little overblown. Well, yeah, of course it is because uh, it still has to be a good movie. Yeah. And if you can't, and really, if you can't tell the difference, like if you're surprised that a that a droid that you thought like a little robot that you thought was not possible to render in real life is in fact real life. What the fuck is the difference? Yeah, I agree. 
Anyway, I don't know. I mean, you know, I've I've gone through this several times on this show about the the disconnection I have with it, and it's you know part of it's the lack of or the idea that I haven't seen anything other than a new hope. So, you know, I plan on watching them in you know before everything comes out. I mean, I have to say. I'm intrigued by... I've always been intrigued by Star Wars as a cultural thing, um, even if I don't entirely get it based on the the one movie I've seen. But but I'm fascinated by that, and I'm also fascinated by J.J. Abrams and what his take is, because I I really do like Abrams and um, and, what he's capable of doing. And it's an, as a trailer, it's effective. I mean, it's absolutely effective. Um, What do you mean you're not... You don't understand the uh, kind of... Because I I didn't think it was a good movie, the first Star Wars. I didn't I didn't feel anything towards it. I didn't think it was good. Um, so I, I got a Best Picture nomination. I mean, it was well. So did Incredibly Loud and but, but I mean, well, I mean, but this is I mean, I mean, it, I mean, it's it's just like anything else. It's of its era. You know, there's well, a lot I, more people that were affected by it. like you know, you know, when you're like, oh yeah, the fucking Mighty Ducks, yay. Right, and you know all this like Mighty Ducks mythology, and uh, well, I are, think are ready for the you know them to go back to using practical ice effects instead of uh, the CGI. <laughs> See, I don't hockey sticks, it's, and again, it goes back to like the 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 fervor, if I can use that sure word, go that ahead. word the fervor. Um, it, it's just something where I just didn't connect to it on any level when I watched the first one. Again, I haven't. That's the only one I've seen. I'm totally open to watching the others and seeing if they the impact. Empire Strikes me. Back is a, is is pretty objectively a, a great movie. Right, Just, so I've heard. Yeah. Um, you know, if you can get past uh you know, a lot of it's bigger than than the films and it's hard to it's hard to come at it with a fresh perspective unless you're a child who has never been introduced to it before. I think that might be my problem with start like with connecting with Star Wars is because I think that it's that the connection lies somewhere within being young when you stumbled upon it or being there when it happened. Well, see, I wasn't when I grew up knowing what it was. It was never something that was a huge part of my life cuz I just missed it as a kid. Right. Like Return of the Jedi came out in 1983 and I I was 4 years old when it was released. So it's a little it's a little too young for me to have a firm grasp of what it was. I mean, of course I knew who Darth Vader was. Right. Um but what was What's kind of strange uh, for people my age, like it was basically the franchise was basically dark for ten years, yeah. which is something that hasn't happened, you know. Because from 1985 to 1995, there was nothing new. There was books and stuff, and I I loved the books, but like it was hard to find because like I had to rent the movies. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find them to rent them to watch. I had to <laughs> I had to order them from the you know the uh, best uh, not Best Buy but it was Suncoast Motion Picture Company, so it wasn't it wasn't all over the place, you know. If you wanted a Star Wars shirt or uh, some you know anything else, you had to you had to track it down. It wasn't you know there wasn't fucking Star Wars Angry Birds and yeah. goofy Christmas ornaments and and everything else. Right. So that's probably. Uh, for anybody approaching the franchise after that point, it's a little hard to to get into the the storytelling that was involved in the first place. Yeah, and I think that's maybe that benefits uh, people now that J.J. Abrams is on it, since he's famously secretive about what the hell's going on. So you're not gonna 
I don't know, maybe you're not going to get the whole thing fucking told to you in the first, you know, the weeks up to release with all the ancillary products that come out. Right. That was a big problem with uh, the Phantom Menace. I remember buying the soundtrack, buying a CD soundtrack. Those were the days, weren't they? Those were the days. <laughs> and there was uh, like one of the, the track titles was Funeral for a Friend or something. So you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> God damn it. It's one was called Darth Maul gets cut in half. Like, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> That's why I like Michael Giacchino because all of his titles are puns that have nothing to do with oh, yeah. anything. Yeah. Is he ever going to, I wonder if he's ever going to move into a Star Wars movie. Uh, maybe if John Williams d- doesn't make it out of these next three. Well, I think John Williams may retire. I mean, John Williams is old and has but enough I mean, Oscars to build a coffin out of them. But I mean, didn't, um, uh, <laughs> Dude, Jesus, that was a little morbid. What? Why would you build your coffin well, out of Oscar? I mean, it makes sense because Giacchino's often compared to John Williams um, as as being like the the next the generate the next generation of it. And uh, you know, he's he's doing Jurassic World, so he's mm-hmm. taking that over. So I mean, I'm I'm kind of surprised he. I was surprised he wasn't at least like. Doing it with John Williams for this Star Wars. Well, there's, I think there's a kind of sense of passing the torch. Like Williams may not continue on. And I mean, because how old is he? He's pretty old. I don't know exactly how old he is, but he's he's eighty three. Yeah, that's old. Yeah, that's really. So, speaking of Jurassic World, it sucks that we didn't have a show last week because we could have talked about that awful Jurassic World clip. Man, no, I know. I what I saw was that awful fucking Jurassic World poster. No, this oh, is a, that was new. Yeah. yeah, I don't mind the poster. No, so much. I hate this poster. It's so stupid. Everything, everything that has come out about that movie has been bad. Like, like every single thing that has come the out. The trailer was okay. The trailer didn't blow me away like it should have. But that clip with Bryce Dallas Howard and and Chris Pratt was terrible. Yeah, uh, trailer. I thought the trailer was terrible. So I, I, I thought the, the trailer was terrible mm-hmm. too. I haven't seen the clip though. What happened? You haven't seen the clip? Mm-mm. It was. It's. Uh, it. It's the first clip from Jurassic World, and it's just Bryce Dallas Howard uh, being all prim and prissy while Chris Pratt is all, uh, what would you say, like... He's like, like he's like... He's uh, like a Randy Horn dog and... <laughs> well, he's like, he's a, um, he's kind of like this loose, I know everything, uh, yeah. like, uh, like stern buff guy, like tough And, the, and there's no fucking dinosaurs in it, first of all. Right. And then it... <laughs> what what's crazy about this clip is that it's so shitty in its execution and you're like what the fuck why are we why is this the first fucking clip from this movie yeah. that it totally drops a little bomb that you don't even pay attention to because the rest of it's crappy where it basically because it's been rumored that Chris Pratt's character has trained raptors, yeah. but this basically confirms it. Yeah, and it's such a like. Wait well, a minute, he's, what? He's, well, he's basically the, the. It presents him as like a raptor whisperer. Yeah. Like he he knows how to. How to it's. Oh, I'm man. so I'm I I wanted to like this movie so much, <laughs> and it's just nothing they're putting out is including this poster. I mean, what's going on here? Well, she she's has a, looking face. She has a gentleman collar. What's it's, the name of that? It's uh, the Ultrasaurus or something. No, it's like, like Indominus Rex. Oh yeah. I don't know. Or Indominus. I think Indominus Rex. I don't know. Like that. It's a it's a the hybrid dinosaur they create. Yeah, bigger than a T Rex. Anyway, we're getting off topic here. Star Wars. Um, so the internet exploded. Um, I was very excited. Lots of people were very excited. Um, we've been very excited before though about this Star Wars stuff and gotten 
disappointed. Uh, so I think it's, uh, there's a, a lot of, uh, cynicism evaporated, especially with, as soon as Harrison Ford showed up in the clip. Mm-hmm. Um, did you, did I, did anyone else think that that looked a little goofy that, that shot? Like it looked like a, it looked like an SNL s- sketch a little bit. No. I don't know if it was like the framing of it or. Well, I, I'm still, I just kind of wonder what the context of it is, is mostly what I wanted. Cause he's talking about being home and these, but they've got weapons drawn. So I I just don't know. I mean, well, it was I mean, a it great be... it was a great line for the this trailer. Well, like, it could it could just be you know they're they're at home they you know. Well, what I don't know, but it was a great line for the trailer, and I thought it looked fine. And I mean, it's a nice kind of. It may not even be in the film. You know what I mean? That it's a nice yeah. kind of hero shot of. You know, it looks like a maybe a different take of a scene yeah. or something. I brought up the fact that Chewbacca didn't have white hair on Facebook today and. Got a got a um, lesson on the fact that Wookiees live till they're nine hundred or something. So he would he'd still be young in terms of. Is that according to Wikipedia? <laughs> Wookie age. Uh, is the, that true? I don't. Man, Wookie I don't leaks. Know. All that stuff. Wikipedia is real, by the way. Okay, I didn't know if you were thought that was a pun. Well, it was. Yeah, it it was both a pun and a real. It was both a pun and a, he there's ripped a, it off. There's a, a pretty terrible. Um, legendarily terrible thing called the star Wars holiday special mm-hmm. that, that aired, uh, once the, the year after star Wars was released and it's centered on Chewbacca's family. <laughs> so if you ever look it up, uh, actually riff tracks, who we'll talk about a little later, uh, has it, you can buy the, you can, somebody found it, somebody recorded it 35 years ago, 36 years ago. And, and, and put it online. Oh, okay. So it's, and it's a really great quality for being such an old TV recording. And then, uh, you know, it's got commercials and everything on it, but riff tracks, you can download it, uh, with commentary. They make fun of it along the way, but it's, it's, it's so fascinating because it's, it's so like a, like then every principle is involved. Like Harrison Ford is in it. Mark Hamill is in it. Carrie Fisher is in it. Darth Vader is in it. Mm-hmm. Chewbacca's in it, of course. And there's, there's other actors playing his family and his son. There's, you know, there's, there's like a, a baby. There's a baby Chewbacca. Well, it's um, like I guess a, you know, a little person in a costume playing his adolescent son or something. It's uh, it's fucking weird. Sounds like a TV series for, I don't know. And his son's name is uh, Lumpy. <laughs> no, it's not. It fucking is too. <laughs> uh, his and his wife's name. His wife's name is Mala. His dad's name is Itchy. <laughs> Mala Ma- and uh, his son's name is Lumpy, and Art Carney is in it. B. Arthur is in it. Oh, uh, it, it's it's fucking weird. That's if cool. you ever if you ever have two hours, you want to just trip out on weird Wookie mushrooms. Well, well we'll talk was, about it later. But speaking of tripping out, I saw clips of that balloon movie. Uh, <laughs> oh, fuck, <laughs> that's fucking weird too. Oh, uh, if, do you know y'all know who Bruce Valanche is, right? Yeah. He he uh, was one of the writers on uh, this Star Wars holiday special. Oh wow! Bruce Valanche is a weird Muppet man who's famously writes bad Oscar jokes. <laughs> I just remember him from Hollywood Squares. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, so uh, enough of the Star Wars trailer and all the other bullshit we talked about. Uh, also, after a illicit leak, the. Uh, Warner Brothers decided to officially release the Batman v Superman 
Dawn of Justice trailer uh, t- just about three hours ago or so tonight, yeah, right? Yeah, this evening. Because it leaked, it leaked early, which, as these things always do, it was like a Spanish dubbed... Yeah, it, was, it had some weird subtitles on it. Yeah. So uh, did you see it, Kiko? Mm-hmm. Oh, I saw the... Uh, you just saw the bootleg. I saw the, the bootleg. bootleg. Well, I didn't know. I was in God, here three hours ago, on. so... What kind of... That's... That's so unethical. <laughs> yeah, I totally waited. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to watch this bootleg. I'm going to wait for the official licensed Warner Brothers approved video. Dude, that site you sent me to was like the spammiest pop-up. It was like Cosmic Book News or something. Hey, you watched the clip, didn't you? Yeah, but it was like through at, some at like third party. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Now there's all boots. these weird porn pop-ups on my computer. It, More than usual. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm like, I gotta move it out of the way to get to my actual porn. So what'd you think? Are we gonna play a clip? Oh yeah, a clip, sorry. The feeling of powerlessness that turns good men cruel. First time we've heard Ben Affleck speak as Batman. Yeah, obviously through some sort of voice modulation. I prefer thing. it to Christian Bale's. Batman a lot of voice. people are saying that. A lot of people are saying that. And the, there's a lot of the, the you hear in that is you know, action scenes. There's not yeah. a lot of dialogue in it. But it's 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 important to remember this movie's still just under a year out. Yeah, 2016, so March 25th, 2016, something like that. Yeah, something. So there's not a lot of new stuff. I guess ready. I don't. I mean, I mean, it's obviously a super effects-heavy movie, right? But this is pretty dark. Yeah, uh, I hate that all the trailers have that sound now. Dude, have you ever seen? Have you ever watched like an old trailer from like a movie from the early '80s on DVD or something? You know, they'll include it as a special feature. Mm-hmm. They're so different now. I, oh, yeah, well, I but, love I love the trailer noise of the of of like group of people shocked at something where everyone's like. <gasps> Did I? I may have talked about this before, but uh, Fox used to use uh, like a weird cat screech record yeah, scratch yeah. for all their promos. I love the record. The record like, scratch. Ah! <laughs> yeah, anyway. Really? I like the ones that way back in the day. Like Alfred Hitchcock, he would come and present the movie as the trailer. Like this is my movie. Well, but I, I'm talking about like early '80s stuff where it's just all like narrator voiceover. Oh, it's like yeah, I, mean, I don't think narrators even. That's not even a yeah, thing anymore. Yeah, well, it it is every so often, and every time it happens, I'm like, "What the hell is going on? Like, why is this guy saying, like, like narrating this trailer? It's so yeah. weird." Yeah. But yeah, you know, look, here's here's the thing. I have like no faith in Zack Snyder to pull this off because he's way. a tool. Not because he's a tool, but because Man of Steel was so bad, like really, really bad. We were talking about this uh, the other day. And I, I need to revisit it. I want to revisit it because I remember being all right with it when I saw it, and then later on, kind of my opinion changing. And the only reason I say this that I want to rewatch it is because I felt the same way about Star Trek Into Darkness. Yeah. And when I rewatched it, it was better than I remembered. 
I, or b- better than I had shaped it into being. I know that a lot of people think that um, the kind of like the the ace in the hole for this movie is that Chris Terrio is writing the screenplay, who you know won the Oscar for the screenplay for Argo. But I, you know, I, as far as the look of it, it's it's um, it's it's a little polished looking. I don't know if you felt like it was. It's very like it looks very CG. Zack Snyder. Some of it, yeah, I'm, and I'm. Some of the shots, I'd be really surprised if they're actual shots in the film. Yeah, it just looks very effects heavy and, and looks a little. Because there's a shot uh, of a Superman statue that says "False God" across yeah. it. Um, I mean, and for everybody that's used to these Marvel movies as superhero movies, this is a lot darker in tone. Yeah. And I know a lot of people, a lot of nerds are writing it off already. I have a fr- my friend who I'm going to visit in L.A. He listens to the show, but we've gotten into kind of arguments about how he he claims that that uh, that the DC is comp- he he's of the mind that DC is competing with Marvel, whether or not it's an actual competition, but just kind of for the public. I think that's true, but, but that's I don't think that's true at all. I mean, it's easy to compare it because they're so similar, but when it comes down to it. You're not seeing one over the other. They're not being released on the same weekend. But you, well, it's not. It's not in direct competition. But there is a spirit of competition because, and especially because I think that DC is going the route that Marvel did. Well, right. I mean, that I understand that point. But when it comes down to like, oh, DC's got to make X amount of money on this, otherwise well, it's a failure. But there is you. I mean, there has to be a level of dick measuring that goes with this, as far as box office numbers and and, and any of that. Well, goes. this and the. Um, the comparison that was made when we were talking about this, my friend and I, he was he's was compared to Coke versus Pepsi. Like, okay. yeah, there's both popular brands, but there's always going to be a winner. I think which that's is true. fine, but the, that comparison doesn't really stand because the in in this analogy, Pep DC is Pepsi. As it comes back to Coke and Pepsi, yes, <laughs> time. but it's it, the winning for them isn't isn't beating them. It's at least. Because they're they're it's if it'd be like if Pepsi had all the ingredients for making soda, but they weren't doing it, and that's where DC is right now. Like they have all this shit lying around, but they haven't done anything with it yet. So getting some sort of getting something out of the gate, which I don't know why it, it, we've been talking about this movie for like three years now. But I but I guess so. Does that mean that DC would need their first initial wave of stuff to come out, and then they're competing with Marvel when it's like second wave versus third wave or whatever? Well, they're never going to compete head to head. I, I, I mean, in, I mean, in the in the in the fact of the matter, I mean, if one wins the box office year with you know, if Avengers: Infinity War Part One makes. A billion dollars worldwide, right? And Justice League Part One, whatever the fuck it's going to be called, makes seven hundred million worldwide. What's the difference, really? Well, I, you know, I, I, I sort of, I, I, I see where you're, I see where you're coming from on that, but I do think that there is an element of uh, quality that also. Well, has uh, to do with I mean, it. That, and I'm taking that totally out of consideration right okay. now because we have no idea what this is going to look like. Right. You know, we have no indication of if it's going to be good or not. But, but I, I do think, and that's interrupt. I do think that um, that everything that we're seeing in terms of DC is a direct result of what Marvel is accomplishing right now. And for that very reason, I think that there is some sort of competition to it, or else I see. I see a lot of this DC stuff as as a panic 
panic move. I mean, they have to get like they have to get Batman back in there because that's their only thing that. Like when they released all those dates with all the movies, exactly. Yeah, but I mean that's. That's become the standard anyway. Though. Not well, that is, much, but not, though. but not, not to the extent that Marvel did it, where they laid out what like thirteen films. Was that DC? Oh, mean, we're talking, we're talking, but they both did it. Is what I'm saying. It wasn't Marvel's. Marvel is is riding the success wave now. They they took product that was secondary in the market, or th- I mean, not even look because before Iron Man, Hulk failed. Yeah, their, their Ang Lee Hulk failed. The only thing that with their name on it that was any good was X Men and Spider Man. Yeah, and they don't have contri- creative control over that. Yeah. So they took Iron Man and then and by whatever formula they cooked up, Robert Downey Jr. You know, career renaissance. <laughs> career renaissance. You know, you do of, know that's a microphone in front of you that can pick up noises. I'm gonna that you jingle make. my keys in the <laughs> Uh, Robert Downey Jr. career renaissance, uh, you know John Favreau's direction, whatever, whatever it was, hit all the right chords for success, um, you know. And who and who among us would have predicted? You I, know? Yeah, and I guess you know the the thing about it is that you know there there have been moves, not to belabor the point or anything, but there have been moves. You know, like when when they moved like Captain America that was in they in oh yeah, you know it's their power moves. There's there's stuff like that going on, and I think that also. Um, you know, Marvel had, and we won't talk about this because it's irrelevant. Well, it's not irrelevant, but you know, Marvel has Daredevil, which is like really, really good, and now they're building their own TV universe. Well, the thing, the thing about Daredevil is, uh, the Netflix series is what we're talking about, not the other. Right. The, yes. <laughs> but but um, it's there's been a lot of talk about how, and I've heard a lot about it, and it's a lot. There's a lot of nerd grousing about it. Yeah. Is that DC has made the decision very public to to keep these darker, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of nerds think that's the wrong choice. But you look at something like Daredevil on Netflix, mm-hmm. and holy fuck, <laughs> yeah, that is some dark shit. Yes, why uh, do they? Why do they think it's a bad choice to keep it just dark? because? Uh, because Marvel has done so well with. Stuff that's a little lighter, especially like Guardians of the Galaxy. Stuff and, that's a little more and, lightweight. And don't get me wrong, I think they can coexist and, and be fine. But I do. I mean, I think there is some level. But of it does, competition. I think. Well, I mean, obviously, in a in a public dick measuring sense, sure. Yeah. Uh, but when it comes to real competition at the box office, I don't think so. I, I, mean, don't, I don't. I don't buy it. I think it comes down to quality, like Cody said. I think there's a consensus when a superhero movie comes out now whether it was good or bad and if marvel has enough good ones in comparison to dc i think that's what people are going to remember like well and i think i think dropping the ball on man of steel was was a a a kind of a uh a bad sign i don't think it there's not a real consensus that it's a dropped ball well that you know it's not we're not talking a spider-man amazing spider-man 2 here where it kills the franchise where we are, we're, you know, it's not necessarily, um, and Superman's a hard character to get right. I mean, you even look at look at the fucking Christopher Reeve version. I, I guess and it's boring as shit. And again, you can look at the numbers for Man of Steel, but also you have to look at the fact that it dropped sixty five to sixty eight percent in its second week and put it in third place. When when you have these Marvel movies that dominate the box office for months, really. Well, uh, 
When, who? What happened the second week? I don't remember when that. It, was it just dropped. It no, just but dropped I mean, off. what was released? Uh, Monsters University and World War Z. Well, okay, that that's but uh, I, that's a, a bit of a false narrative. There, that's that's kind of summer movie one hundred and one. I mean, it's a very rare. But that doesn't happen to Marvel movies, really. I, I, I mean, Guardian. Think about how long Guardians. Yeah, but Guardians was an August release. That's a different. That's a different time period. And Guardians uh, went to second because Ninja Turtles was released the next week. So it's not a. I mean, Guardians made a lot of money, but it's a different sort of competition. And I don't know if Ninja Turtles beat it the second week. Did it really? Ninja, Tur- Ninja Turtles was released the second week, and Ninja Turtles was number one at the box office. But but Guardians had legs in the next. That's fine. Five or six I know. I understand. But but I mean, also, but Man of Steel was also critically. I mean, it was at fifty five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It was not received well by critics, right? But that's that's neither here nor there when it comes to the 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 fact that it was successful enough for them to keep going. Yeah, but we're talking. We're speaking. We were just speaking about quality. So that's well. Yeah, I don't like. I said the the critical consensus for stuff like this is often moot. I mean, look at Transformers. I don't know about that. I don't, I, think it, I don't agree with that. I think it might be interesting to see, look at look at it a little deeper and see, because I can't think of anything that's polarizing in terms of superhero movies. I mean, it's either people get on it on the bandwagon or they don't. I and mean, it's it, either good or bad. Well, I mean, other than like, I mean, you could argue Man of Steel probably because it's right around the center or something like Hulk, uh, Ang Lee's Hulk, which I loved and people hated. So, uh, but, you know, it's either, you know. Green Lantern or well, look, Marvel is enjoying a run that hasn't been that hasn't been seen since something like Pixar of the nineties, mm-hmm. um, and it's inevitable that something is going to to disappoint. Probably Ant Man. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't thrilled with the Ant Man trailer. I wasn't either. Uh, <laughs> I love the joke at the end with the Thomas the Train oh, the wide shot. Hell yeah, that was that a was fucking a great badass, joke. badass scene. But. Uh, <laughs> But inevitably, it's going to happen. I mean, Pixar stalled uh, its run of success with uh, chasing the money with stuff like Cars uh, or just kind of indifferent stuff like Brave, at least as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. But if if we're we're talking about superhero movies in general, yeah, because everything's been Marvel, you know, and then stuff like. X-Men stepped their game back up. Mm-hmm. Fox got smart and realized, hey, we need to not just turn out shit. We need to get people back on board, have some sort of creative cohesiveness. In, in, and then they're probably going to drop the ball with yeah. Fantastic Four because nobody... But that, again, Marvel's going to revive or could potentially revive Spider-Man and yeah. breathe life into that dying corpse of a series. But I think you have to look at everything summer movie-wise, um, kind of anything sci-fi related. I mean... I, I see Transformers and I see Ninja Turtles and I see Guardians of the Galaxy as the same genre in general. Just that some are based on comic books, some are based on toys, some are based on cartoons. Right. Um, it's all the same audience. Let's say that. Yeah. It's, and and there are shitty ones like Transformers. They've all been shitty. The first one was the best one, and even it was shitty. This Ninja Turtles <laughs> reboot. This Ninja Turtles reboot. <laughs> While I didn't think it was shitty, it just was really lame and and pointless. But it's still it's still is the same, you know. It it still makes money and it still spawns sequels and you know nothing's been even Spider even Amazing Spider Man two made a shitload of money, but nobody was happy with it. 
it's just it's just weird how some of this stuff shakes out. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, um, I think Spider Man's a weird beast because that amazing Amazing Spider Man two made a lot of money, but it was also the lowest grossing Spider Man movie there's been to date. And I mean, Sony had was made an offer they couldn't refuse. Yeah, you know, hey, let us use Spider Man for free. We'll revive the brand for you, mm-hmm. and then you get to go make these movies based right. on something that's popular. And, um, uh, you know, the thing the thing I just keep coming back to is that I don't trust Zack Snyder to pull this off. And I don't think that he was the right person. He's the right person to shepherd in this thing because uh, I, I actually do like Watchmen. Um, yeah, I didn't think Watch. I didn't think Watchmen was, I was terrible. So bored. I, I actually like it, but you know, he he Man of Steel was not good. Um, three hundred. I don't like. I I can't. I don't even know if I've ever watched three hundred because I couldn't get through. I, I hated it. I so hate much. Sucker Punch with a passion. Yeah, oh my god, nobody liked that. I forgot he did Sucker Punch. Was my worst movie of that year. Poor Oscar Isaac. I, for, I forgive you, babe. So, oh, did you like seeing him in the Star Wars trailer? Were you excited? What, what happened? He was like, woo, right? Yeah. That's about it. Were you like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Give me some Oscar Isaac. Oh, God. Anyway, to get away from this <laughs> as quick as possible. Uh, you know, as a, as a teaser, it, it really is a teaser. You get some shots of Superman doing Superman things, holding things up, floating in the air, flying. You get Batman in his armor looking to kick Pouting. Superman's ass. And he had a gun. Somebody said he had a gun. Oh, yeah. He, uh, there's a shot where Batman's on top of a building. My friend pointed it out. It looks like – initially it looked like it was just kind of the spire of the building, like an antenna. But it's it's a fucking sniper rifle, which is – if you know anything about Batman, in the all the mythology lately, it's been – you know he's super anti-gun because mm. uh, his parents – well, you know he wouldn't use a gun. I don't know that he's anti-gun. That's a weird thing to say. That Batman is anti-gun. Yeah, he's he wants he, like Obama. He's going to take your guns. <laughs> but yeah, he's got a fucking sniper rifle, and mm. it's so this. Like I said, this movie is dark, and you know, for all the the complaining people did about it being dark, is it, Daredevil's proving dark can work. Yes. Uh, and there's and not only that dark can work, but there's an audience for it. Yeah, there's an adult audience. Who uh, who might appreciate the kid nature of well maybe not kid but family nature of, of some of these movies that are coming out through Marvel, but who want to see like gritty like super realistic bloody. But isn't that what Nolan did? I mean, no, no. You need to watch Daredevil to know what we're talking about. It is. It's like uh, I'm about seven episodes in. I'm like, I'm, but you I'm don't like, know for sure if that's what. Snyder's going to do with this one. Well, I just think the the I, yeah, that's correct. But I think that the, a lot of people were initially turned off by the fact that that it was going to be dark. That they wanted something fun. They wanted some pulpy comic book thing. Do you think it's because they wanted a break from Nolan? That like the atmosphere that Nolan built with those movies being yeah. Because I, I don't think you know lots of people were disappointed in the Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. Uh, Man, I don't know what nerds want anymore. I don't know what the, – because they're the ones that are complaining about it. Right. That's the people making noise online. Yeah. I don't, just don't know what people want. Um, That's a good point. I'm fine with it. I, I'm, I'm – I'm, I'm, you know, I have to see more of it. I don't, I don't know shit about it. You know, nobody yeah, – because it was supposed to come out this year and then it got pushed back a year, which is a pretty big uh, push. But uh, what? Um, yeah. Big push. Made me laugh. Mm, okay. All right, let's move on to our last item. Michelle McLaren. Who? Michelle McLaren, <laughs> who is supposed to direct Wonder Woman, uh, who's first, who's appearing first in Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. Michelle McLaren, veteran, TV veteran of uh, 
Breaking Bad, The Walking Dead, Game of, uh, Game of Thrones, was high-profile woman director that was brought on because DC specifically wanted a woman director for Wonder Woman. Which would and, mean would, that's the only way to go. Well, yeah. You'd get so much flack if you got Amanda. Well, anyway, she uh, parted ways with... Uh, with uh, and they got a man. No, the, uh, Patty oh. Jenkins, uh, director of Monster, uh, who was originally supposed to direct Thor The Dark World. Yes. Before correct. that was passed on to Alan Taylor, who's also a veteran of Game of Thrones. Yeah. Anyway, what was the what was the reasoning behind Michelle McLaren's fire? What, well, what are we calling it? They parted ways. Yeah, right? they parted ways. Um, so basically, the studio's not giving much detail, but uh, they said creative differences. Um, but uh, there's a report from Variety that says that McLaren wanted to be uh, wanted Wonder Woman to be an origin story that was in the vein of Braveheart, um, whereas Warner Brothers wanted a character-driven story that was less heavy on action. Um, and wow, also, weird, right? That's like totally that's what opposite. You would yeah. yeah, holy shit. Now, the the part that annoys me, and I think annoys you too, Jared, is that um, Warner executives said that they were becoming increasingly concerned that McLaren couldn't direct a large-scale, action-packed production. When, when her experience was limited to TV. Now, first of all, uh, if they're saying that they want a less action-heavy movie and they're worried about her ability to direct large-scale action, that seems, uh, that seems uh, a little bit backwards and contradictory. But second, Michelle McLaren directed 11 episodes of Breaking Bad, which is more than any other, any other person, any other director did. And 11 episodes is like, what, maybe like a fifth of the entire series, maybe like a fifth um, or a sixth of the whole series. five seasons and there's usually 13 episodes each. It's, the, it's the almost had 16. It's but... almost a, yeah. Bas- well, it's let's say, a whole season's let's worth. say of a cable drama, it's a whole season's worth. Right. And not only that, but if you know anything about the episodes that Michelle McLaren directed of Breaking Bad, some shit went down in all of them <laughs> that was like extremely violent or, Something crazy, like every time you saw her name in the credits, you were like, "Oh man, something's gonna happen." Well, and let's not forget that Ryan Johnson, who directed the second to last, was the second to last episode. Uh, and a couple, and Ozymandias. That was okay. It, I don't. That's the third to last. Ep- I don't remember. Is he, anyway? Ryan Johnson directed some episodes of. Well, of uh, well, Ozymandias is is pretty widely known as the best episode of Breaking right. Bad there's ever. But been. anyway, his, his experience. With that was before was Breaking Bad, and then kind of the small scale Looper. Then he was picked to direct fucking Star Wars Star Episode Wars. Eight. Well, and and not only that, but but she's uh, Michelle McLaren has also done Game of Thrones, right? And um, which is a pretty effects heavy. Uh, well, it's I mean the thing about Game of Thrones is it's maybe the most cinematic, yeah, TV show uh, that's that's currently on TV. Um, and you know the thing about the thing that's so interesting is uh, is that TV as a whole is increasingly cinematic, and uh, and I just I, I don't understand. Well, it doesn't make sense too when you look at Patty Jenkins's uh, filmography. Yeah, I mean, she did Monster in two thousand three, and then she did smaller TV shows. She had yeah. one Arrested Development episode, a couple of Entourage, The Killing, Betrayal. Dude, so Entourage, what are they? It was Entourage that sold sold them on yeah. Patty Jenkins. The two episodes she did? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh. <laughs> they both ended with a party, and the guys were about to fuck some hot girls. Oh, Can you believe it? Yeah. I, th- I just think that – I think this is so – this is such a weird story to me Well, for so many reasons. The 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 uh, This is all rumors, right? Right. This is all from – who is it? Variety? Variety. Uh, 
maybe the the most uh i guess believable one is they they had a difference of what the story should be the other stuff where it's like she couldn't handle it sounds like shit talking i and and it's you know i when when it was announced that michelle mclaren was going to direct this people were really excited um well there's there's no bigger tv shows of the last three years yeah than those three and breaking bad walking dead and game of thrones so and and she's a and she directed multiple episodes of all of those and um well I think she did, did she do I don't know if she did Walking Dead I don't watch that show but uh, I, don't, I don't know I don't know anything about Walking Dead except that it sucked but again we're we're living in a time where TV shows are cinematic and and if they played on a big screen they would look great I mean yeah um yes they're small scale but. Uh, but I mean, if you were to watch Breaking Bad in the theater, or even like Better Call Saul, looked fantastic. And well, I mean, then and the prestige of this TV is is outstripping movies in a lot of ways. Oh, absolutely. There's yeah. a lot more people talking about Breaking Bad than they are the Avengers. And, and the thing is, if you if you looked at like we were just talking about Daredevil, if you had a director from Daredevil who was doing those insane action scenes that you see in that show, nobody would sit there and say. Oh, that guy couldn't handle a movie <laughs> because it's. I mean, if you all you the, the only difference is that you're not projecting it on a giant screen. Like yeah. that's really the only difference. So well, it just sounds like shit talking. Yeah, it's an it annoys me. Oh, well, I just. I mean, if they wanted two different things, then just say that. Yeah, and it seems it's weird when uh, when somebody comes on board like that with what's essentially kind of a gig for hire. Yeah. Uh, that 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 something that drastic of a creative difference could arise. Well, how do you not know that going in? I don't. It's such a weird thing about yeah. Hollywood. I mean, because I don't know. I, she's not a writer, right? At all? Uh, no, I don't think so. It, it's it, this sort of reminds me of the of the Edgar Wright thing with Ant Man. Like Edgar Wright's developing this thing for you for a decade. How do you not know that this is what he's going to do? Like I, I just, you know, it's like how do, how does how does Warner Brothers not know that well Pat, that, that that Michelle McLaren is coming in with this vision? Like doesn't is that not the why isn't that the first thing that comes well, up in I don't, meeting? I think the Edgar Wright thing is a lot different than the Michelle McLaren thing. Because Michelle McLaren, they wanted a woman that could handle the job, and that's what they got. It, the specifics of it are different, but I'm talking about the idea of hiring someone without knowing what their plan is to do with the movie. Well, uh, yeah. May, maybe the Michelle McLaren thing just kind of arose on set. Edgar Wright, though, I think it's pretty clear that he wasn't going to play – he didn't want to play along with what Kevin Feige had in mind and even if it was developing for a decade a lot of shit's changed in a decade right you know this was nothing a decade ago but you know in order to green light the movie there had to be some agreement on vision or they wouldn't i mean why would a movie of this scale get greenlit without people being on the same page well is what I, I'm saying. I mean i guess they assume it's just going to work itself out because there's all kinds of shit that yeah. that like the born identity. Have you ever read the the fucking mess that that thing was? No, I did read about Tommy Boy and what a mess that was. Yeah, and then <laughs> that was a. I wish there was more people involved in that. It was an oral history, right? It was great. That what was there was great. Yeah, uh, but I mean, the the born identity was a fucking wreck, and it somehow yeah. came out great. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that's. I think that's a lot of what happens is, and I mean, even with scripts, it's like we'll just finish it as we go. Because I mean, the script is a such a fluid thing it's not even done until the movie's over until yeah. it's playing in theaters are people even interested in wonder woman is that something i mean yeah. I don't well know. the big deal about it is that females are underrepresented 
increasing in an increasingly expanding audience. Right. Because, you know, shit, when I was a kid, there were no girls that read comic books or gave a shit about anything like that. But, but the, are there enough? I mean, is that an uh, is that an interesting character? I don't know Wonder Woman. Well, I mean, comics. It's, it's the most. I would. It's probably the most iconic female Superhero, comic book yeah. or superhero. And they tried to do a TV show and that failed, right? Yeah, there's a. Well, but there's a famous '70s TV show. Well, yeah, yeah. But, but the, the Adriana Palacki. Uh, but that was a. Who well, directed that? It was um. Uh, God damn it, the Ally McBeal guy. Uh, oh damn it, Dave. Uh, uh, look at it. Just look at it. I'm gonna look it up. Uh, but it, well, it, it, it never aired. It was um, David E. Kelly. Yeah. No, that's not. That's not Alan. Is he? Do you Alan McBeal? I know he did the yeah. practice. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The lawyer guy, lawyer show guy, and uh, it it didn't go anywhere. Yeah. Uh, now she's on Agents of Shield, a show I don't watch. I don't either. It was awful. Anyway, yeah. There's I, there's definitely an audience for Wonder Woman. I mm. think. I mean, it is the most iconic. I don't know that. That people really know her origin story that well. It's not ingrained in people's minds like Batman or Superman. Let but. me put it. Uh, let me put it this way: it's, it it is a big deal because there are people clamoring for a solo Black Widow movie. Like, I'm surprised that that hasn't happened. I am yet. too. But because, especially I and we fucking hated the movie, but Lucy was such a big hit. Yeah. For Scarlett Johansson. Mm-hmm. I mean, there must be something else. Because a lot of people are like, why don't they make a Hulk movie? Right. Because they already made two that nobody gave a shit about. And you, you can't make a third turd yeah. and have it s- sully the punch bowl but, of you the know, Marvel Universe. I think the good thing about the Black Widow character, though, is they're able to put her in pretty major roles in movies. Like, she had a big role in Winter Soldier. You know what I was, uh, I was wondering the other day? I wonder if they wish that with the success they're having, critical success they're having with Daredevil... If they wish they had cast like smaller scale actors as Black Widow and Hawkeye, that so way they could, they could stick them mm-hmm. in a TV, you know, a thirteen episode TV show. Though I do think I, I I do I don't know the connection between the cinematic and the TV universe because I don't even think that Kevin Feige is a producer on Daredevil. Uh, he's well. This is I mean, it's definitely connected. Well, it's connected, but not not. Not in the because I mean, if Kevin Feige's name isn't on it, then it's not part of the universe as a whole, like the cinematic universe. I mean, no, it totally is. Then why isn't his name on it as at least a producer? Well, I don't know the specifics of it, but I mean, I mean, they no, reference they reference things that happen, but they, but there's no plan for them to interact with the cinematic well, uh, world. Is what I mean. I mean, but, I don't mean that they they don't like oh, exist I don't know in what the you're same. Talking about. I'm talking about the Marvel. Well, cin- I mean, I assume that's something that's. At least down the road, uh, I hope so. Because I mean, they had to see how it worked first. But it's it's distinctly different in tone, so it, it kind no, of... no, I know, and it's it. I don't you don't see the connection right away just because it's fucking dudes' heads are getting chopped off, and right? There's a shitload of blood, and they say shit all the time, and asshole, and, and there's dick, and, <laughs> and there's bones falling out of, and there's almost a boob in the first episode. Yeah, there's almost Ooh, a boob, Kiko. Almost a boob. Did I'm, we sell you on the show yet? I'm t- tuning and I'm. Man, out. and just people who have watched that last ep- uh, the last scene of episode two. Oh yeah, that's that is... getting a lot of play online because it's a, a, like a single take fight scene. Yeah, that's probably not a single take. No, there's some you know when they turn around and change the point of view, those are definite spots for cuts. Yeah, but... or when they pass by a door and it fills the frame. But the way it plays out, man, no, it's a great, it's a great, awesome. Yeah, you should definitely check it out, Kiko. At least that episode. It's on Netflix. Yeah, it's right there on your phone. You should watch Sweet. it right now. Cool. Uh, anyway, 
Yeah, uh, while we're talking about Unfriended, pull up like the last five minutes of Daredevil episode two. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, let's go ahead and move on to reviews. Here are this week's reviews. First up, we have Unfriended. chat room friends find themselves haunted by a mysterious supernatural force using the account of their dead friend. Someone's in their chonies. Someone's in their chonies. <laughs> Dude. I, so I didn't see this, so as you and Cody start talking about it, I'm going to go ahead and unfriend you on Facebook. Oh. Hold on. You know what? This title Do-do-do. is, uh, it sounds like a romantic comedy or something, doesn't it? Unfriended? Yeah. Well, it was originally called Cybernatural. Was the working <laughs> title, which is a way better title because it's fucking stupid sounding, but it's like ooh, cybernatural. Cybernatural. But calling it unfriended, like what is that? That that doesn't conjure up a horror movie to me. I don't know. Okay. It sounds like a. It sounds like a Adam Sandler movie. Like yeah. Drew Barrymore. All right, Cody, Maybe. you could start talking about this. <coughs> really, I'm so excited. You know, uh, so for those who don't know the 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 uh, I guess the gimmick of the movie is that the entire movie plays out on a computer screen. So the whole time you're basically watching a oh, uh, good lord. A, a, com- a computer screen that has, you know, uh, Spotify, Facebook, Skype, uh, a, a BitTorrent, a bunch of Is it of a PC stuff. or a It's a Mac. Mac. It's a MacBook. Remember uh, we were we were watching the movie and we got it was like 20 minutes into it and but we were already checked out. Yeah. And we were like, why is everything downloading so slow? Yeah. And I'm like, is she torrenting something? <laughs> yeah. And she fucking was. <laughs> yeah. And it was an episode was of Saturday Night Live. Hosted by Miley Cyrus. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit. So one of the things that I appreciated about this movie was the fucking balls at setting a whole movie. Literally, the whole thing is on a computer screen. Yeah. Like, you can see the menu bar. Mm-hmm. You can see the fucking files on the desktop. Yep. Uh, you see, like, when she's clicking and typing, like, it's real. Like, it's like how you would do it for real. And, like, little details like, oh, she's torrenting an, an episode of SNL, and it's named in the classic torrent yeah. style. But, fuck, it just becomes so tedious. I, that's – I about 20 minutes into the into the movie, I turned to Jared and I said, this is the most tedious thing I've ever seen. Because it literally is. There are some scenes where you watch this girl, you watch her cursor just kind of linger over some stuff, or you see her type and then make typos and then type again, or you see her having chat conversations with her boyfriend. And it's, all up on his shit, too. Oh, my God, dude. It's like it's so annoying to watch because you're watching someone 
casually use their computer. And and think about it. Has that ever been something you wanted to do? No. I wrote this in my review. It's like that's the worst thing in the world. Like if you're if you're in some like I've been in meetings, I'm in somebody's office and they're I'm trying to show them something on the computer and they yeah. and we all it all ha- it happens to everybody. You get like this weird computer stage fright and you start fucking shit up yeah. and somebody's like, No, do this. No, yeah. wait, do no, just click it's like <laughs> fuck and that's this whole fucking time I'm thinking this about the movie. Yeah, I told I told you after the movie that I've never wanted to grab a movie and shake it before as much as I did with this one. Like you just like, wanna, wanna you're like, I wanna shake it like a baby. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Did y'all ever see uh, Open Windows with Elijah Wood? No. There's a lot not, not the whole thing is uh set on the computer, but a big chunk of it is where things I, are happening. I think a big problem is that there's too many characters because what happens is when they have like five Skype people on at Skype at the same time, everyone's talking over everyone. Well, yeah, we play that clip yeah. and it's just like a mess. It's just sound. It's just sounds. It's just a mm. cacophony of sounds. Like you just all you hear is just five people talking over each other and then it gets quiet whenever she's like isolating herself on a certain task. Oh yeah, and then either either the audio dips to you know to notice yeah. she's spoken, or people just stop talking and they're just like looking into the camera. Yeah, uh. but the, the thing that I hated though was you've got five people talking at once, and then she goes on Spotify and starts playing music. Like, what are you doing? Like, are you going to talk to your friends? Or are you going to listen to music? Well, like, I don't know. I don't know if this is how youngins use their computers, even though these are all like 28 year old actors playing these teenager yeah. roles. But uh, it, it seemed realistic and at least like all the shit you might have running at once. And I guess there's some pretty heavy product placement for Facebook and Skype. Facebook, and, uh, Skype. Yeah. Uh, Spotify. Spotify. You know, and, and you know what? Look, conceptually, there's a decent idea in here about a random internet threat that's causing you threat in real life. I think that's a that's a nice threat or a nice threat, a nice a nice idea. Look, it's getting it's getting late. Um, and who are you chatting with on your computer right there? Uh, I have Facebook open, but I'm not talking with anyone. No. I don't have any friends. So um, did you unfriend? You have one at, one less now because I have fr- I got this weird oh, this weird message right now that says. Uh, I can see you through the window. So is this a is this a paranormal movie? That's yeah, what it is. Yeah, basically. or is it a horror movie? Well, there it's not. There's because it's real time from beginning to end, and but there's not really a clear sense of what's happening. I, it gets it gets too trapped by its gimmick, yeah. In that, and nothing gets really explained, and then it it suffers from the same thing that all of these. I guess this is a found footage, technically style. Yeah. I would call it that. It's just another. It's another variation on it. Um, it gets weird. You know, it suffers from the same thing. Like she's obviously using a laptop, or shit, even a desktop. But it's it's obviously a computer screen, or a, a full on computer. But the way she's like laying in bed with the camera facing her, like that would mean she's holding a laptop over her head while she's. I mean, I just who does that? And then there's people that they go look around the house for noise, and their cameras always trained on their faces. So it suffers narratively from that stuff because it has to stick within this gimmick. And look, I mean, the thing is, as decent or as creative as a plot or idea that it might be, the execution fails in every way. I mean, there's nothing that this movie does well. I don't think it fails in every way, but. 
the gimmick got in a way got in the way of a lot of it for me. I mean, I, I don't think there's anything more than just kind of the standard. I mean, it's a cautionary kill. tale about bullying. Is well, there is, is a lot of um, kind of pointed commentary about cyberbullying. Yeah, uh, but I think at the end of the day, there's not really much more to it than the gimmick. But the gimmick gets in the way. The gimmick is so distracting to me. After, like you said, after twenty minutes, I was just so yeah, so worn out by. It. So I still don't get what this movie is about. Okay, so is look, something killing the kids one by one. Basically, I mean, oh. look, the thing is, uh, there was a girl who right. was, she kill- she- was bullied. She killed herself, and then her Facebook page starts mes- messaging everyone, and then they, she joins the Skype call, and so it's the and. Presence or ghosts or whatever the girl who killed And the herself. notion is you shouldn't respond to messages from, from dead, dead people. Otherwise, it opens up their power to kill you. Right. And what uh, it does is like – the small print in Facebook. Uh, it's in, where you it's just click the, through. Yeah, it's in the, yeah. Terms it's in the of privacy. privacy. <laughs> um, so the idea is they all kill themselves. Yes. Uh, After they're possessed by her, right? I guess. Wow. But so – but then like – there's, so, a, there's a hilarious death in there. There's a couple of them. <laughs> She's ju- like they first notice her. Like there's they're doing a group Skype call and there's a blank avatar that pops up. It's really it's like I said, it's an interesting premise. Like yeah. to start, like like what if you did a group Skype call, which just sounds like madness. Yeah, I would. Uh, yeah, uh, and because they're not really doing anything, they're just fucking chatting. Yeah. Uh, and what if you did that and there was some unknown person that kept popping up? And like I wrote in my review, like they can't exit – they can't cut her out. Like anytime they try to to, to do any like right-click and delete, like it, the boxes are all grayed out. Like it's it's got nice realistic touches until it doesn't every now and then with some like stupid antivirus program that was – both you and I were like, "What's happening?" <laughs> that 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 entire scene is just I I did not understand what yeah. that is, and we're both tech savvy people, and we're like, I, I I'm like, look, that's not how you get rid of a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but it, it's so it's there is some cleverness there, and there's there's an attention to detail that I admire, um, and that saves the movie from being just like I admire the effort that went into it. Uh, so I can't totally trash it. Because I think there's, you know, it wasn't executed well enough for me, but there's still enough there that I felt like, well, I appreciate the effort. So what's your grade, Jared, on this? Mine's a C minus. Ooh. Cody? Yeah, I found it agonizing. Um, I'm going with a solid D on this I was agonized by it, too, but I gave it some points after the fact because it was because of the the attention to detail. Yeah, again, the premise itself and the idea of it is not a terrible one. It actually makes sense, especially if you're trying to, um, if you're trying to bring up a horror movie that's in the digital age and find a way to make people's reliance on technology or the way they use technology or how even teenagers, you know, um, interact with each other and and create a horror movie from that. Um, it's 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 accurate in that sense, I suppose. But man, I just think that nothing about it is good. <laughs> and it's really short too. It's, it's like a, it, but it doesn't feel like the yeah. first twenty minutes feel like an hour. Yeah. Where it's just like them, the 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 guy and the girl just like talking to each and other. And there's almost Skype. some boobies, and then there's not. Yeah. Fuck this. Fuck, <laughs> fucking bullshit. Yeah. God yeah. damn it. That's where it's inaccurate, right? Fuck it. All right, that's gonna do it for this week. What do we got coming up next week? Uh, next week we've got the age of Adeline. Um, we've got uh, Ex Machina, 
and uh, you know this calendar. Who knows? But uh, possibly the Water Diviner, uh, Russell Crowe movie. Um, and yeah, that's yeah. that'll pretty much do it for next week. Okay, and uh, we do have I do have something cooking for next week. We've talked about it before. I'm going to Los Angeles. Uh, where uh, we uh, we talked about it a little bit before last month when uh, you and I hosted the screening of the room with actor Greg Sestero. I've got the chance to interview the room director, star, writer Tommy Wiseau. Oh, I think he did a few more things. Producer, produce. Well, yeah, producer, director, writer, actor, uh, actor, um, all around kind of. Eccentric fellow, yes, uh, Tommy Wiseau. I am, I am so excited for you to do this. <laughs> this, this really fell in my lap um, after uh, interviewing the guys from Rift Tracks. Yes, uh, Mike Nelson, Kevin Murphy, and Bill Corbett interviewed them via satellite two days ago, and uh, had a lot of fun with that. You can see it right now on Cinesnob.net, and we're going to put it in the podcast, I think, next week with the Tommy Wiseau thing, uh, because Rift Tracks is doing. A live riff of the room on May sixth. Um, and anyway, so uh, after the interview, they contacted me. The guys from uh, one of the Rift Tracks uh, publicity people asked if I wanted to interview Tommy Wiseau, and I said, oh, "Fucking yes, of course <laughs> I would." You. And the the pitch was, "Yeah, he, uh, you can talk to him by phone. He's in L.A. Um, you know, talk to him in the afternoon." And I said, "Well, I'm going to be in L.A. Uh, for the next four days." Can we do it in person? And they're like, yes, that'd be awesome. Like, the best way to talk to Tommy is on video and audio. I'm like, all right. So I slapped together. Uh, some friends of mine uh, came through and, and secured me a location in L.A. to shoot. And I'm flying out there with a bag full of cameras and um, going to talk to Tommy Wiseau for 30 minutes. Man, I don't know how <laughs> that's going to work, but uh, I uh... – it it will be nothing if not interesting. Did you watch? Uh, are you did you watch any of the clips I sent of Tommy Wiseau? Mm-mm. But you did watch uh, Fun and Balloon clips of Fun and Balloon Land. I did from, see uh, some, which of... is a Rift Tracks release. Yeah, I didn't get what was going on. That's the point. Oh. It's it's a weird kind of fever dream of a movie, and that's what they like to specialize in these days is just watching, finding these old um, cult weirdness things and making fun of them. And that's really what the room is. Um, it's interesting that more people haven't, have more people try to do what they do. Yeah. We were going to try to do what they do. Remember do the commentary. Yeah. But um, I mean, on a, on a, on a um, they do. Um, there's a master pancake theater, which is a, a draft house thing in Austin. Yeah. Occasionally come down here. Doesn't Doug Benson do like the Benson movie interruption. That's similar. Um, I've never heard it, but I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, these guys, the Rift tracks guys, are founding you know some of them are founding members of mystery science theater 3000 which pioneered this thing um and there's some other people from mystery science theater 3000 who went on to do a compete a separate project not a competing project but a separate project and that was more of a a live touring show Mm. and they've since discontinued that because they were all uh working on other projects and couldn't come together but yeah i guess it's on the large scale nobody's really done it right I would just think that there'd be a lot more competition that got, you know, I mean. There was a an, an ESPN classic show called Cheap Seats hosted by the Sklar Brothers, comedians. Oh, yeah. The called, twin. they look like twins, but they're not. No, they're twins. No, they're twins. Oh, they're twins? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Randy and Jason Sklar. Um, that was, I loved that show. 
even there was even a guest appearance from the Mystery Science Theater oh, okay. crew on there. So yeah, it's uh, it's it's one of my favorite things. Cody's like, I don't get it. You don't get what the Mystery Science Theater three thousand oh. thing. Well, I mean, I I just didn't find it funny. I mean, I get it. I mean, like, because I mean, I love Beavis and Butthead, who are essentially doing the same thing. So yeah, I mean, it's you're just a punk. You like those punks, like is, Beavis and Butthead. Yeah, is everything that they read scripted? I don't know. Yes. I mean, yeah. Okay. See, see, that seems like it would be easy. To do see, I that's why I asked you, Jared, if if that bothered you at all. I mean, it's it's fine, but I mean, I think that that the that the idea of off the cuff is 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 like the draw to something like that. Um, I mean, I don't necessarily agree. Uh, I mean, maybe if you were if if people saw you come fresh to it or something, right? But if you're expecting a performance, um, then I don't I don't see the problem with it. I, I mean, don't if, know. You know, if you're if it was like, hey. Come talk about this, you know, like you saw something for the first time. I don't think even like even stuff like Master Pancake, they don't they're they all that stuff is written. Well, I mean, you can I don't know. It kind of bothers me that it's written for some uh, why reason. Why is that? I don't understand. Because I mean, I'd rather be because there's no quick wit when it comes to that. I mean, you can sit there and yeah, I mean, write can, something str- I mean, you can be a strong writer and you can be a witty person and just work on those jokes like a stand-up comedian would do. But I mean, the great stand-up comedians are, are I mean, some of them are able to, you know, if somebody yells something out of the audience, they're going to be able to jump back at you and say something hilarious. Well, and it I, just seems I like don't, I don't know, it just seems like it's an I mean, easy way to do it. I mean, I, I, I'm sort of in between. I, I mean, I, I would prefer it be organic because, you know, even like in the world of podcasting, everything's coming up organically, spon- uh, spontaneously. And so um, I like that element of being quick-witted, like Kiko said. Um, but again, if your product is being funny and you want to be funny and people are paying, then I understand why you would do but, that. But I mean, stand-ups write their material. Well, they, yeah. so and, it's all, and, it's all, and it's all rehearsed to the point of, you know, it's all, a, you know, you... You can you can see a stand up in different you know venues and they're telling the same jokes at the same patter and, and, and cadence so it's not you know it's not a I, I think it's a I think it's it's a it's a, a situational thing maybe but but I mean it's it's uh, I think most people think that that's what a comedian is going to do or they expect that but when you're watching somebody watch a movie I don't know you, I, it seems different like you should be watching it live well and thinking your things having your thoughts come as you're watching it not. But then you're down. just—I mean, then you're just asking to step on lines and and blow jokes and uh, you know you've got three people in this scenario doing it all at once, and if they if they all were improvising, then it would you would end up with some log jams. And, that's true. I mean, it's if you don't I mean if you don't find it funny, then that's a different story. But if it's uh, God, we're, it's not like we're trashing them, and they've been so awesome to us. No, I'm not <laughs> trashing them. I mean, I haven't seen enough of it. No, to... I mean, you're a mega fan. I mean, let's, no, I mean, let's not I'm, take no, away from that. No, I'm, it's true, but I mean, uh, they've been so. No, I uh, think it's awesome. I, I I love that they're doing it though, because I think that I think that this is a new way, well, not a new way, but a, a really good way to 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 um, to to be with a lot of people who recognize something that's bad and have fun with it. Um, like like being in like being in that theater for the room was a blast because. Everyone is just collectively laughing at it. Well, and and I think the uh, the biggest thing to that that they bring to the table that that may be overlooked is that it's not necessarily mean spirited. Mm-hmm. Like it can cross into that. Like, oh, that joke was a little too far. But 
it's not a like, hey, look how much this piece of shit sucks. It's look how funny it is that this was that that this happened. Yeah, and in in uh, you know, the, it's not. I think you know, you told me that it's not for everyone, which is true. But that doesn't. I mean, they are undeniably. You know the top of their game of what they oh, do, yeah. and I mean they're they're that's the point of reference everybody goes to right. for for riffing. And I don't know that I mean it's always been written, even mm-hmm. you know, and I mean, it definitely has a different voice today than it did twenty five years ago because there's different writers and less writers, right. and, and just the technology has allowed them to. I think the riff tracks they all watch the movie separately in their own homes and come up with jokes and then kind of take them for a road test and see what works and what doesn't. And there's a lot of work that goes into it because it's not easy to time stuff out with, uh, you know, because you're watching a movie and you're following a script. So it's not a, it's mm-hmm. not, you know, they're not just dropping it in in <clears throat> editing. Well, if we end up doing this one that we want to do, we'll see how hard it is to do yeah, it live. Yeah, see how smart, how, how funny you are off the cuff, Kiko. <laughs> well, you're, it's going to be harder for you because you haven't seen the movie. At least I, you know. I've, I've, oh, you guys of, haven't started writing your scripts yet? Yeah, because I have the I movie have... didn't show up like you said it was going to. Uh, dude, it's not me. It's every single site that ever reported Netflix upcoming movies. I mean, there was websites who have like calendars who have giant pictures of this movie as coming out on April twelfth, and and it didn't happen. They were improvising. <laughs> well, what happened was there was a movie because we were going to do the identical, and what happened was on April twelfth, the movie called The Lookalike came on to Netflix. And so someone had the wires crossed. Synonyms burn you every time. Synonym, synonym snob. Synonym. Anyway. Oh, and and one other thing before we wrap up. Starting next week on some sort of platform, whether it's this or the um, the uh, the the Facebook page or Twitter, we will be giving out some um, some some stuff for you. We'll have. Uh, f- <laughs> Why is that funny? Well, because you weren't specific. <laughs> yeah, I was about to. I was about to get into it. Okay, it's just funny because you didn't lead with the specificity. Yeah, because you had no reason. I'm to... building tension. I'm building like they're, they're like, oh my god, what is it's it? It's Alamo kind of Draft stuff? House stuff. It's Alamo Draft House food and beverage vouchers that we'll be giving out. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, so uh, was that the first time the other night when uh, when you actually when we ate uh, when we were for, at Pee Wee? Is that the first time you had the pizza there? Uh, no, it was the first time in a while, though, I'd had it. Okay. And I remember they used to have the option to turn any pizza into a calzone, and I did that once, because I like calzones. How do you turn it into calzone? Just fold it? What's the, yeah. what's the, uh, the, the Parks and Rec reference about calzones? Oh, well, there's a few of them. There's, uh, you What's well, the, ca- the calzone zone? It's called the, it's, well, it's, uh, Adam Scott's character, Ben, is, loves calzones, and everyone hates him around him. And he says he has an idea to open a restaurant called the Locale Calzone Zone. <laughs> and then and then there's a... And you uh, have a shirt that says that. I have, I, I have a Papa Ben's Locale Calzone Zone shirt. And then there's a reference in... Did you watch the last season? I did not. Okay, so, so there's, a, there's a scene where um, he decides he's going to go make some calzones. And he's singing Highway to the Danger Zone. But instead of that, he says "Highway to the Calzone Zone," <laughs> and I so I have a shirt that's in like the Top Gun logo, and it says "Highway to the Calzone Zone." See the fucking internet, man. They made that shirt like the next day, right? No, it was a while. It was after the season it ended. Uh, I any calzone joke on Parks and Rec is amazing. It's it's so funny. You just have a big old man boner for 
Adam Scott. Well, for Parks and Rec in general, but Adam Scott is a, a favorite actor. Remember when of mine. I gave you that that Adam Scott interview, you were so excited. I was, and it it was great. Yeah, it was a it was a it was a blast. He was so nice to you about that shitty movie, <laughs> The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Yeah, and I mean he was he was very cordial. He was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he was. He a, was a gentleman. He was very polite. He he answered my questions with with dignity and with class and uh, and I don't have enough uh, nice things to say about him, so I'm just gonna stop because we would be here all night if I talked about how great Adam Scott was. All right. As an actor, as a human, if you want to talk to us about can, Adam Scott, uh, yeah, yeah. If you got any Adam Scott stories for Cody, <laughs> uh, you can message him on Facebook and he will talk to you all night long about Adam Scott. Uh, also, you can uh, email us podcast at cinesnob.net. You can call us at 920-FILM-210. That's 920-3456-210. Um, please leave us reviews on iTunes or Stitcher. Anything else? Uh, we might have some Rift Tracks tickets to give away to the room. By the way, I'm working on getting some of those. Yeah, and be, uh, uh, be prepared for our official announcement of our uh, out next Alamo Draft House screening, like we said, we can tell you that it is going to be Monday, May 11th at Alamo Draft House Park North, and we should be ready to announce it um, hopefully by next week. We're trying to decide which Adam Scott movie it's going to be. Yeah, you know what? It's I've thought about showing like four or five of them in a row. Leap Year. Uh, yeah. Or Hot Tub Time Machine 2. Leap Year. And go to uh, the uh, San Antonio Filmmaker Showcase, or yeah. Cody's going to be... Give Cody some support because it's going to be his first time flying solo. Again. Yeah, I've, I haven't uh, I haven't done a solo. I've, I've I've hosted something solo before, though. I did the Seronia screening I did by myself, mm. but this is my first like draft house experience solo. So are uh, you going? No, I'll be in. LA oh, you're being dude. Hopefully, That's the day I'm interviewing Tommy Wiseau. Yeah. Hello. Hopefully, yeah, you'll be having a better night than I am. I think, uh, but uh, because that is an amazing accomplishment that you're going to have. Like, I would put that on your resume. Like, like sat through 30 minutes of Tommy Wiseau. But dude, it's going to be incredible. And yeah. It's at my friend's apartment, like rooftop uh, uh, patio. Oh wow! So it's it's indicative of the movie and yeah. And we got a there's a Yahoo reporter tagging along too. Yeah. Uh, what's the guy's name? Josh Cooper. Josh Cooper. Oh, uh, Josh Cooper, if you're listening. Yeah. Uh, what's up? Hi, Josh Cooper. I read your stuff. I'm going to see you on Monday. Uh, the San Antonio Filmmaker Showcase is a free event. Um, so um, There's also a band performing, right? Yeah. To lead, Is it leading off the show? Yeah, it's, it's before we get started. Okay. Uh, I, just to let you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to be there. I don't want to get my tire slashed. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to come. I, I mean, look, if anyone shows up, just please know that it, it is hosted by Cinesnob.net, but Kiko will be nowhere to be found. So um, I might peek my head. Leave your torches and pitchforks at home, please. He's going to come with a mustache and glasses. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be as your alter ego, Frank. <laughs> I am Frank Martin. <laughs> yeah. I love that name. I wish I should go by that now. Do it. On that note, I'm Jerry Kingery. I'm Cody Viafania. And I'm Kiko Martinez. Thank you for listening to this Cine Snob podcast. To read reviews, interviews, and more, visit cinesnob.net. See you next week.